Podcast Markets with Sean Hackett. Sean Hackett is a financial advisor with Hackett Financial in Boca Raton, Florida. And this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Dawson Tire and Wheel, your premier ag tire and wheel provider in North America, helping people grow. Tractor Zoom, delivering insights, and dry shot boots, the official work boot of the Moving Iron Podcast. Sean, how you doing this morning, man? I'm doing pretty good. Another uh, another fun day in uh, Commodityville. Oh, so. boy, I tell you what, nothing but, nothing but fun and games, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing but fun and games there. So today I want to focus on um, about, let's see, when was that, the 28th, so Monday. Monday you put out a report on, um, basically you were talking about, and the, the title of it is uh, the waiting game almost over, and uh, you were basically focusing on the corn market and what that looks like, and that we are headed towards that bullish phase of the corn market that we've all been waiting for. And um, I'm sure as we're recording this right now, um, today is the uh, 30th of April, and I am uh, sitting, sitting here recording this with Sean, and I'm sure some people are like, yeah, have you been watching the corn market case over the last two weeks? We, we've almost had a two in front of corn three or four times in that two weeks. So um, it's going to get significantly worse before it gets any better. And there might be some truth to that. There, there, it could probably get worse before it gets better. But um, like you and I have talked about um, several times on this podcast, that there are so many um, monikers around the world that trigger what happens in the U.S. as far as commodity prices go. And we are starting to see some of that stack up. There's some dryness in um, the Black Sea regions of the area of the world, um, and and their, their people are shutting off their exports of what what they do have outside the country. Uh, Russia being one of those. Ukraine's talked about doing that. Um, countries like um, Egypt are, are buying up commodities as fast as they can afford to buy them um, of all kinds, and we're seeing that happen around the world. We're seeing some dryness in key growing areas in South America, and a lot of the stuff is stacking up with the. La Nina um, effects that we're seeing um, coming in and as far as the solar cycle stuff goes that we've talked about as well. So, you know, Sean, let's let's talk about your report here a little bit and um, let's uh, let's kind of dive into this and let's talk about the corn market a little bit. First thing is I, I, we always try to figure out the psychology. So if we think about last June, we had the historic late planting, record prevent plant, 470, corn, how bullish everybody was. Everyone was thinking five, six, it's got to go higher, massive shortage. Um, and, that, and, and of course, that was the top. Um, and now we're exactly on the opposite side of the psychological sphere. Demand's horrible. Ethanol's never coming back. Uh, the, the, the virus has caused a depression that we're never coming out of. We're going to plant too many acres of corn. We're going to have Billions and billions more bushels than we thought. You know, people projecting, you know, dollar fifty corn. I mean, everyone's out there saying that there's just no. It's a one-way trade mm-hmm. for downside. Our experience has been that when everybody leans that myopically 
dystopian on the negative side, you're ready for a turn. It's just right. it's it just the way it is. That means everybody who's who has not sold corn right now because of how bears are. I mean, if you have not sold corn now, you're probably not going to sell your corn right now because because everything is telling you to sell corn. So from that place, we get interested in looking for a wall in any market, not just you know, whether it's a corn market or anything else. So just remember how, if you're a farmer watching this program, remember how you felt last June. And remember how you feel now. You were dead wrong last June. And you're probably going to be dead wrong now. It's just, it's just the way the psychology works with these things. So to further parlay that case, you look at capital flows. Uh, it's called Smart Money Insider Capital. It's an algorithm we created that looks at commitment of traders' data. We handpick certain aspects that have had a really good track record of determining when buying means something or when selling means something. So we had a big-time sell signal late last June that gave us a hint that that bull psychology had run its course, that it, it overplayed whatever the bull case was. And now, finally, we're starting to get smart money buying that is getting to levels or close to levels that historically have been associated with the car market trying to make a loan. And so that's starting to tell us that it appears, based upon the smart money behavior, the bears might be overplaying the bullish case, the bearish case. Meaning, whatever the bearish story is, there may not be, it may not be, be entirely true. Meaning, there may be an overplaying of it that we'll find out in a month or two they got it wrong, and here's the reason why. And, and, the, and the market really was underpriced based on what the true fundamentals were. So, uh, so we like that concept. Very bearish sentiment. Smart money, you know, getting close to what we consider what we call a buy signal. And then we then, then if when we get that, what we try to do is say, what's going on in the world that the market may be more? Because remember, whenever it's bearish, they ignore bullish news, and you only focus on the bearish news. So so if you get a bullish export number, ah, it doesn't mean anything. But look at the ethanol, you know, and they just go right back to the bear because that's what they want to focus on. Right. So what are they not focusing on? That two months from now they might be on the headlines of all the news stories. Well, you talked about this that you know the dryness that we've been seeing, perpetual dryness in South America, we think means substantial downgrades to the corn crop are coming in the next couple of months. We see. Brazil is especially heading into their winter season, and we're, the way we're looking at the virus down there, it's going parabolic, mm-hmm. and they're entering the period where community spread is likely to accelerate that, um, and we think there's a pretty good chance that a lot of workers down there are going to revolt, they're going to strike, they're going to riot, they're going to say, we're not going to the ports, we're not going to... Not in Brazil. They never strike in Brazil. <laughs> it never happens. Never Brazil. <laughs> So we think there's a really good chance that even though China has logged all these exports, they think, you know, it's one thing to say, you know, you've got a price, but if you can't deliver it to the buyer, he doesn't have it and he needs it. So we think there's a, that is a pretty big story that mm-hmm. could play out here shortly. And of course, look, we're just getting started in the growing season. Yeah. You know, in most so years, much can change. Yep. a lot could change in June, July, pollination. Hot, you know, we, we think hot and dry is going to be the issue this year, uh, as we talked about, you know, many months ago. So, uh, just a ton of things that we think the market is ignoring, completely ignoring, not giving any credence to, 
that any combination of them may start to surface, and you're going to get a lot of these speculators that are short running for cover uh, and getting out of the corn market. So, so when we look at all that, uh, yeah, can we go lower? Sure. Uh, we still have a USD report out on May 12th, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the market likes to go sell the rumor into a report like that, and maybe maybe that puts the final low end case. Maybe that's it. And then when the bearish report comes out, the market reverses. Everyone is shocked. They can't believe the corn market went up that day, and then it will look back. I mean, it's, a lot of times that's how it works. So, so we're pretty constructive here. And we would, if anyone is out there thinking there's no hope for the corn market, we would argue we're most optimistic now in the corn market we've been in over a year. I'll, I'll put it out that way. Oh. So. Well, the other side of that too is if you if you talk about crops getting downgraded in South America, Argentina about every week has come out for the past three or four weeks, five weeks, something like that, have come out to say, hey, you know what, our crop's not as good as we thought, or hey, you know what, the bushels aren't going to be there, or hey, you know what, the quality isn't what we thought it was going to be, so we're going to downgrade the crop by two or three or four percent and something like that. So there, that that's starting to ring a little bit true, but to your point, um, you know, the focus right now, you know, chaos and all this nasty things that are going on right now are great for the news cycle because that's what sells, right? No one really cares about the good things that are happening in the world. They want to know the worst possible thing that could be happening. And quite frankly, that's, that's what the news is reporting. And the more we look at that, the ethanol thing is awful. It's horrible. That is a, that's a byproduct, though, of the oil market. Um, and as the economy gets to come back open and um, the Saudis and all the OPEC countries are scrambling right now to reduce re- production as much as they possibly can. They're talking about a 9 million barrel a day reduction, um, and they're scrambling to do that. And I would suspect that, you know, $17 Brent crude is not going to be something they're going to keep hanging around very long. So that nine million could turn into fifteen million. You know who who knows? And and next thing you know, we're getting that that forty fifty dollar oil back again, which then spurs the commodity or the uh, ethanol market to come back into play. But to the point of what we see happening now, um, it hasn't been dry like this during planting season for a while. Um, as I look at what's going on out here in the Panhandle, it's dry out here anyway. It's not a big deal. We turn the sprinklers on and then pump water on whatever but if you go west it's not till you really get to that ohio river valley deep south mississippi delta area where you start hitting that heavy rain again that you see anywhere else and some of these iowa illinois areas um they're dry i mean there's a fine line there you know there's a pretty defined line i talked to uh um Glenn Birnbaum was on here the other day. We were talking about some stuff, and, and he was talking about how they just got five inches of rain overnight, and he lives in Peoria, Illinois. So, I mean, there's there's all those there's – a, there's a pretty fine line there where that's at, and it's a very defined line. It's fairly dry on one side, and it's pretty wet on the other. And going into um, emergence, that's a pretty important time of, of the growth of the plant, getting that thing started, getting it to take off the health of the plant, getting it going – and what that looks like. So if it's too uh, too dry on one side or too wet on the other, it, it kind of six one half dozen another. You're going to have a bad start, and you have a bad start. Your yields get affected. So I guess as you look across um, what's going on in Kansas and Oklahoma and these various places, it's dry. And I guess what's your what's your I mean? We're way ahead in the schedule when it comes to planting, just like you talked about. Um, 
early we, spring. We, 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 we talked early spring, early yep. prices, and we said the corn market specifically had to trade that first in the month of April to get us to the lows. Uh, of course, you know, when we made that projection in December, January, we weren't wholly understanding of a virus that was going to come along and, and add lower prices than we would have seen. But, but the timing is the same. Yeah. Just we got a little lower than we would have gotten otherwise. Right. But, yeah, I mean, things are happening. But, but you're right. The, the dryness is problematic. Uh, we, we think that some of those concerns of, oh, yeah, we're off to a great start. Planting is better than it was last year. But then all of a sudden we're going to morph into, wait a minute, it's not emerging right. The conditions don't look so good. Wait, this isn't playing out like we thought. And all of a sudden, you know, the 95 or 96 million acres turns out to be, you know, something that has to be reduced because of the productive acres that actually are going to produce a yield uh, of quality grain, quality corn. The other thing that I would mention, uh, probably how the market, you know, the bad thing about ethanol is we're not producing any. Right. The good thing about ethanol is we're not producing any. Right. And I say that twice because the minute that demand for gasoline goes up, there's no production, so we're going to run these stocks down. So let me just give you a figure real quick uh, that I saw this yesterday. Ethanol production continued to decline this week, but it was encouraging to see stocks, ethanol stocks, decline. Gasoline demand seems to have bottomed. It still has a long way to go to get back to where it was in February. Some states are starting to slowly open up, which is fueling expectations that gasoline demand will continue to recover. These states will be closely monitored. Um, when we look at uh, some of the demand side figures here, let me just put these figures up. It's a really interesting that, of course, the market's not, not paying attention to it right now, but, but listen to these numbers. Uh, uh, demand for, let's see, gasoline demand increased 15.7% since hitting a low three weeks ago. And we haven't even begun to open the economy and we're just getting started so, right. so already we're 15 percent off the lows of course it's still way down from last year but what i'm getting at we're already seeing better demand ethanol production uh i mean with lower ethanol production and increase in gasoline demand ethanol stocks declined to 1.106 billion gallons from 1.163 billion so we're already reducing ethanol stocks and we haven't even gotten started with opening up the u.s economy What's going to happen a month from now, or two months from now, when, let's say, half the country gets back open again compared to what got shut down, these numbers are going to collapse, Kate. Yeah. The ethanol price can go through the roof. Yeah. I mean, so, so I, I, I really think that there's a lot in here about how we're already actually getting a bullish adjustment here in ethanol without even getting started. And I think people are, are pushing this bearish ethanol fundamental too far out thinking it's just going to continue into the end of the year we think it's maybe a couple of months right and then we'll actually get back to some more favorable and that could be a big misfiring on the bears why they're getting it wrong putting the corn market in three mm. but that's the thing everyone's ignoring this ah it doesn't matter it doesn't matter actually it does matter yeah well you also got to take consideration every gas every gallon of gasoline a, a certain percentage of that 10 to 15 percent of that is is ethanol you know there now there are some gasoline out there where it's just 100% um, non-ethanol gasoline, those kind of things. But that's such a small fraction of the gasoline that's out there that 95-plus percent or whatever the number is is an overwhelmingly a huge majority of it has got ethanol in it. So, you know, you for every one gas for every one gallon of gasoline out there, 
there, there's going to be 15 percent fifth one fifteenth of that gallon is ethanol you know so it's it's a uh, it's a big deal it's 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 it, there is going to be a, a proportionment as as gasoline stocks or usage goes up so well ethanol usage is just because of the mandates from from uh, the renewable fuel guidelines so there's there's all kinds of, of things out there and I'm with you I think this is one of those deals where it's horrible right now it's bad but <coughs> I haven't been in the in the farm farm business my entire life, but uh, I've never known when they go to plant something that the crop that the commodity price is is, is the high, right? It's the high somewhere in the midsummer, right? It's in between that. Okay, now we kind of know where the crop's at. We kind of have an idea. We're going to start trading the. Uh, we're going to wait. Start you know waiting for the calm air a little bit, and we're going to start pushing that out there. And it's usually that time frame. So, uh, you know, as we. As we push forward and we move forward, what are the, some of the indicators you're going to start looking at to start saying, like, okay, this is when the this is the, some bullish moves are coming our way? Well, I mean, a report like this on ethanol, you know, is the first sign that we're getting the first inklings of a change in that in that key fundamental. I mean, corn is here because of ethanol. So right. Let's put it right out there. I mean, that is the key ingredient that has knocked this thing off its filter. Uh, that's one thing. The other thing is is to start. You know, we're going to start getting crop ratings here in a little while on corn. And, you know, the market's going to gauge where are we starting the crop conditions versus where we normally start the crop conditions. And we, like you said, we haven't had a, a, a dry planting season in a, quite a while. Um, but, but what's going to happen is, is that we're going to start off the season with conditions that are going to be quite a bit low what we're accustomed to starting. And the market's going to go... Well, that's not, well, if we, we normally start here and then the yields are, you know, all of a sudden they're going to start saying, well, maybe we priced in perfection, but that perfection maybe is, maybe we overplayed that. Maybe it's not in perfection. So look at how we start crop ratings and, and notice if they're quite a bit below where they normally would be, or let's say the five-year average. That would be another thing to take a look at. The other thing that I would continue to take a look at is we think exports for corn are going to continue to be strong. We think they're actually going to accelerate especially at these lower levels, you know, they're going to accelerate. So we would continue to look for the ethanol, uh, the uh, corn exports relative to the USDA current uh, estimate, you know, where, where, where their baseline is. And I think that, you know, we're continuing to trend above the baseline. And, and so what, what all this does, Casey, when you put, it's like a jigsaw puzzle. You put ethanol doing better, you put the exports doing better, the condition's not quite right, take a little bit of yield off, shave a few acres off, all of a sudden, the balance sheet starts to shrink. All those balance sheet, uh, spreadsheet analysts that are running around talking about three or four million bushels of corn, they're going to have to start running the corn supplies back down and doing the same thing in South America. And all of a sudden, what was this overblown, you know, bin-busting supply becomes something that, hey, if we have any weather problems, this could get a lot tighter than we were anticipating. Maybe three-dollar corn isn't the right place to be. And so these are the, you know, and what we really want, what we really are looking for from a, a, a you know, indicator perspective is we really are looking for our smart money algorithm to trigger our buy signal, a buy signal. The first buy, the last buy signal we had in corn, by the way, was late April of last year. We haven't had a buy signal in corn since. So, so we're real close. Maybe this is the week we get it. Maybe it's next week. But we think we're, we're probably going to get a buy signal within the next couple of weeks. So that would be another thing we'll really be looking for to confirm that those that are know more about the corn market than anybody else are 
you know, put a, as, as they say in poker, we're going all in on this one, you know. So. Right on. Right on. All right. So as you take a look at some of the um, weekly export reports that are coming out here this week, so the expectations are uh, for corn to be somewhere between 200,000, 450,000 metric tons of corn, which is about a third of what it was last year. Um, what's your thoughts on that, and do you feel like do you feel like those export reports are, are, are getting undershot, or do you feel like they are just being cautious, or do you feel like that is a legitimate number? I don't think, I think everyone's being overly cautious. I mean, the markets have been beat up. Every, you know, everyone reads these headlines of, you know, anybody that's been a bull the last three months has looked so bad. You're, you're forced into a feeble position right now, and, 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 and when in doubt, just be conservative, just right. keep it there, because because you don't want to get caught being too bullish too early again. I mean, that's just what, psychologically, nobody wants to stick their neck out and say exports are going to be much stronger than we thought. So, yeah, the low volume, Casey, that's what they do at the bottom. That's what they do in an extreme bearish sentiment. Everyone's scared to put anything out other than really, really bearish news because everyone else is doing it, so it keeps their job. They stay employed because, hey, everybody got it wrong, so you can't fire me because that's what everybody thought. Right. Well, we are we we prefer to get it right. <laughs> <laughs> it's good for business. But, uh, yeah. People <laughs> that keep me in business are my customers. I don't right. have a boss that will fire me because yeah. I'm being a contrarian. So I have right. the luxury of saying what I think. But um, yes, the low volume. I, I believe the numbers are going to continue to exceed weekly analyst estimates until the bull sentiment starts to improve here a little bit. So. Outstanding. Well, good stuff as usual. Um, China has bought some corn here. There's been rumored that they're out buying some cotton and those kind of things the other day. But um, mainly the uh, the U.S. kind of commodity markets kind of seems to me as I watch this right here is uh, is really hinging on what corn does, and more than anything, um, cattle prices are going to be hinged on on what what oil does, but. Um, Seems like the overwhelming majority of the rest of the market is based on what what's what corn, what movements in corn we see. I guess. I agree. I think corn is the psychological driver right now for grains. As corn goes, so goes the grains. I think the corn market needs to get out of its slumber to get uh, a, a change in the view that the grains are toast right now. And yep. uh, what's interesting is that the Chinese prices of corn and soybeans. Uh, even if you adjust for a weaker uh, Chinese currency, I've gone parabolic here the last couple of months. I mean, straight up moves uh, are the prices of corn soybeans. So we have we have the Chinese prices doing this, and the U.S. price doing this. Mm-hmm. It's unsustainable. Something, somebody is one of the one side is wrong. Really, you know, one one of these markets has got it really wrong, and whichever one is right, either the Chinese are going to come down because they're wrong, or we're going to come up and. I believe we're wrong, and we're going to come up more so and meet the Chinese price, and the Chinese are wrong to coming down. So, so that that's a very interesting condition that once again no one's paying attention to because they're just not interested in anything that's bullish. But that is another indicator, another sign that whenever you see two important markets going opposite each other, uh, one has to wonder, you know, how could that, you know, that that just that cannot continue, and it's so wide right now that our work says. U.S. markets have just overplayed the bearish side, and there's going to be some kind of a reversion to the mean. And that means, you know, producers, uh, 
can, you know, are going to be looking at potentially some better uh, opportunities to sell than they may think right now. Because I mean, I'm I talk to farmers now daily. They're calling me. You know, I get it. Look, it's a tough time, as you said, very difficult time. Everyone's scared to death. Bankers are saying, you know, you know what's going on, and and, and I get it, but. Uh, you know, and, and most of most of the farmers have totally given up any hope that the corn price can do anything. Uh, and not that I like to see that, but I actually like to see that because I hear that consistently in my 20 years. I only hear that at the most. Right. So, so my view is, if anyone's on here that's involved in corn farming in any respect, keep the faith. I don't believe because dyers people think it doesn't mean it's a you know raging wild parabolic bull market kind of thing? No. But you, I do believe that the market is going to show some more favorable prices going forward. And if you can be patient and wait it out a little bit, I think you're going to get an opportunity to do something that's going to make more sense than selling, you know, sub $3 cash coin. Yeah. So. Well, good stuff as usual, Sean. If folks wanted to reach out to you and get some information on this latest report or just pick your brain and see what's going on, what's the uh, best way to do that? Our website is Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. Plenty of stuff on there to get a bit of an idea of what we do to see if we might be able to help. Right on. Well, Sean, thanks for being on the podcast, and uh, have a good rest of your week, man. You too, Casey. Thanks so much. All right. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for all the latest Moving Iron Podcast posts. Also, check out movingironllc.com for the latest Moving Iron stuff that's going on out there i've got a new uh, blog post and get ready to put out there here uh probably today so it'll be hitting all the uh, social media as well also check out global ag network and all the great podcasters out there and uh check out uh, brent and landon over there at the uh, dryland farmer podcast so until next time i am casey seymour with sean hackett let's do some iron folks out in the 21st century Hard-working people Working hard for you and me Moving higher Time and time again Through the years you'll find us here